Hey guys, happy Monday. Welcome to Relatable. I hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day and had a wonderful weekend. Today, I am going to tell you guys, I'm going to give you an update and an analysis on the presidential primaries on the Democratic side and everything that is going on there. Some of my thoughts about the front runners and the policy proposals that they have put forth and how I think they're going to affect the country, specifically Bernie Sanders' health care plan. We're going to at least touch on that. I've done a whole episode on health care that you can go listen to, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of a refresher and talk about Pete Buttigieg and his electability. And then if I have time, I'm going to answer some of the questions that you guys sent me via Instagram. It's going to be a great episode, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. But before we get into it, I want to tell you about Simply Safe. We've talked about Simply Safe before. Uh, we use Simply Safe to protect our home. I don't know if you know this, but every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether or not the alarm is real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is the motion sensor went, went off. That's it. Simply Safe home security is different. If there is a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. That's a lot. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. So outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, from water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It is 24 7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up your system yourself. No tools needed. It was really easy. My husband did it. I don't do that stuff, but I could have if I wanted to because it is so simple, but it took him really no time at all. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, or if your husband doesn't want to do that, you can call Simply Safe and they will do it for you. It's only 50 cents a day, 50 cents a day for 24 seven monitoring. That's a really good deal. And if you visit simplysafe.com slash Allie, you will get free shipping and a 60 day risk-free trial. You really have nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. That's simply S-I-M-P-L-I dot com or simply safe.com slash Allie, A-L-L-I-E. So they know that our show sent you. That is simply safe.com slash Allie. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So last week, it's been a bit now, last week, Bernie Sanders won the New Hampshire, uh, the New Hampshire primary. I just said, have you ever said a word so many times and then one day you say it? and you're not sure if you're saying it correctly, or you read a word that you've read a million times, and you read it and you're like, I don't think I know how to pronounce that. That just happened to me when I said New Hampshire. Do I know how to say that? It is New Hampshire, right? Yes, it is. I don't know. I don't really know what goes on in your brain, or maybe I'm really the only one that's ever experienced that. Maybe it's like a mom brain thing, and you're going to be like, wow, is Allie okay? I think I'm fine. So Bernie Sanders won the New Hampshire primary. Pete Buttigieg came in a close second. Uh, they both got the same number of delegates, though. So they got nine delegates. Pete Buttigieg actually has more delegates. He has the most delegates out of the Democratic primary field, which I am just surprised by. I mean, this is the mayor of a small town, South Bend, Indiana, and he's basically leading the primary field right now, although I do think Bernie Sanders is going to uh, surpass him in number of delegates soon. Uh, this time, the winner, Bernie Sanders, 
and got the momentous speech that he wasn't able to have in Iowa because that turned out to be a tornado of chaos, as we talked about on the podcast, and we didn't get the result until like two days later. Amy Klobuchar came in third. She had a really good debate performance last week, and I think that really helped her in New Hampshire. Uh, Elizabeth Warren in fourth, so she's really slid down. At one point, we thought that she was at least the media darling and that she was going to be uh, perhaps at least a frontrunner, or a top contender for the Democratic primary, and she has really just slipped in Joe Biden in fifth place. Now, you'll remember, just a few months ago, we were saying Joe Biden is going to take this away. He's just going to win. He's the only he's the only person that people think can take on Donald Trump. He's going to be able to win over the people in the middle of the country that Donald Trump uh, won over, but maybe have since disaffected. They don't like Donald Trump anymore. They'll vote for Joe Biden. And I kind of think that we thought that he was just going to slip into the nomination without ever performing well at a debate and having all of these media gaffes. But I think it just came too much. Like uh, people realize that he doesn't really have very much to say. And what he does say isn't very passionate. It almost seems like someone put him up to this and he never really wanted to do it in the first place. It's almost like he realized his time is coming on. He's been in politics. I think it's coming up on 125 years this year. And so he's like, yeah, I'm just over this. But whoever is behind him, I think this is just totally a theory. Maybe he wanted to run for president one last hoorah. But I think there were probably people who said, you know what, Joe, you've just got to do it this one last time. He's run for the nomination and lost before, but you've got to do this one last time because you're the only person that can take on Donald Trump. And we all thought that that was true. And Barack Obama was a popular president among Democrats. He is still very popular among Democrats. But there's been a shift that has occurred in the Democratic Party ever since people like AOC, Ilhan Omar uh, came into the House of the, uh, the House of Representatives. And ever since Bernie Sanders uh, ran against Hillary Clinton back in 2016, there has been a shift to the left to where people are even saying that Barack Obama is not woke enough, that he is not progressive enough, that electing someone like Barack Obama or who served with Barack Obama would be a step backwards. Uh, the Democratic Party, I don't even know if it's the majority of the Democratic Party, but the the leaders of the Democratic Party, the self-declared leaders of the Democratic Party have shifted so far to the radical left that uh, Joe Biden and Barack Obama, they're just kind of left in the dust. People aren't really interested as much anymore uh, in that kind of platform. They want something completely radical. People who support Bernie Sanders, they think that the only way forward is a revolution, a complete upheaval, a complete turning over of all the institutions and traditions and values and systems that have made America objectively the greatest country in the world. Again, as I've said many times, that doesn't mean that America hasn't had dark seasons. That doesn't mean that we haven't made many mistakes. That doesn't mean that we can't criticize parts of American history. Of course we could. If we're objective, truthful people, uh, then of course we can look at American history and say, yeah, some of the things that we have done, some of the things that our government has done, some of the policies that we have put forth uh, haven't been good. They have been sinful, we can say from a biblical perspective. But we can also be objective and say, OK, let's look at our founding documents. Let's look at the Constitution and uh, let's look at the values that ideally our country was founded on, that all men were 
created equal that were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among them being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let's look at the Constitution and the idea that the government recognizes our rights rather than takes away our rights. Let's look at the idea of religious liberty, the idea of free speech, all of these ideals upon which America was founded and have made America so unique and a beacon of liberty in the world. Let's look at those and say, okay, yeah, those were good. Maybe we haven't always lived up to those ideals as a country, but those were good. Let's try to get as close to those as we possibly can, rather than saying, oh, well, the Constitution is a white supremacist document. The Declaration of Independence was written by slaveholders, so we just need to throw them out. All their points are moot. That's not objective. That's emotionalism. That's not logical at all. That's not based on any sort of truth. Or the kind of idea that is perpetuated at Bernie Sanders rallies saying that we are on stolen land. No, we're not on stolen land. We are on conquered land like virtually every single country in the world is on. And again, I'm not saying that there weren't mistakes made in the conquering of the soil that we are now on. Uh, We can, again, criticize that. But to say that America is somehow illegitimate and that we really need to just kind of start from scratch because our founding was so corrupted and so bad because because we are on, quote, stolen land and because the founders own slaves. Again, that's not objective. We should look at the ideas and the ideals upon which America was founded by imperfect, sinful people and say, are those good ideas and ideals when they're implemented well? Do they create human flourishing? And the answer is yes. So every mistake that America has made, whether it is slavery, whether it's Jim Crow, whether it is a Chinese... Chinese worked railroads, whether it is Japanese internment camps. So all of the things that America has done really poorly throughout our history, they haven't been because our founding was inherently corrupt or because our founding was inherently bad. Every mistake that we have that we have made is a step further away from those ideas and ideals upon which America was founded. They're not because of them. So they're despite those ideas and ideals, not because of those ideas and ideals. So the premise of someone like Bernie Sanders saying, oh, well, look at all these bad things we've done. We need a revolution. We need to Um, We need to create a fundamentally different country because of all of these mistakes that uh, we have made. They misunderstand the, the goodness and the genius of our founding and their lack of desire to get closer to those ideals shows that they really don't understand history and they take for granted how much good America has done. Yes, bad, but a whole lot of good, not just for the people in our country, but for the entire world. There is a reason, as I've said so many times, thousands of people risk their lives every year, risk their or give their money, give their time to come here. There is a reason why people come here legally. They wait in line for years. They spend every dime that they have to become citizens of this country. There is a reason why uh, America has been able to bring so many people out of economic distress, out of poverty, uh, out of the chains of communism and socialism and free them and give them uh, not free stuff, but freedom. Uh, that is the beauty of American greatness. That doesn't mean some people say, well, it's not Christian to say that America is the greatest country in the world. I'm not saying that Americans 
or the greatest people in the world, that we're inherently better than anyone in any other country. Of course, that's not true from a biblical perspective. I mean, America is not in the Bible. I don't think that America has replaced, uh, you know, the idea that America has replaced Israel as God's chosen country. No. Do I believe that God has blessed America uniquely? Yes, I do. And do I believe that the ideas upon which we were founded were inspired by the creator of the universe? Absolutely, I do. And perfectly implemented? Yes. But in a very inspired way, uh, founded or created? Yes, I do. Again, that doesn't mean that we have a special place in heaven. That doesn't mean that we have special favor of God. That doesn't mean that we are more important than people that are outside of the country. It just means that we can look at how we were founded. We can look at the good uh, that we have done, far more good than bad, not just in the country, but throughout the world. And we can just thank God for that. We can say, wow, with all the mistakes that we have made, God has been patient. God has been gracious. God has been merciful in the United States of America. I mean, as a pro-life person, I can tell you that I think America is very imperfect, that we have slaughtered millions and millions of unborn, defenseless, innocent babies uh, in the name of choice. Of course, I don't think America is perfect. Of course, I don't. But am I able to look at that evil, what I think is the most, one of the most, if not the most grievous sins uh, and stains on American history? I can still look at that and say, but we've also done, we've also done a lot of good. And a lot of people have flourished because of the freedom that God has graciously allowed to thrive in the United States and even because of the United States uh, throughout the world. So I just disagree fundamentally with what has become a large portion of the Democratic platform. I don't think all Democrats hate America. I don't think all Democrats buy this crazy wokeness that we were that we were founded on stolen land and everything about America is bad, that capitalism is bad. Capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other uh, system ever has. Is capitalism perfect? Of course not, because it's created by humans. It's filled with humans and humans are sinful. So there are going to be problems with it. But has it been categorically in every single instance uh, better and more positive for humanity than any government program Absolutely. A hundred percent it has. It has slashed global poverty poverty rates by huge margins uh, since the 1970s, and it continues to do so. Not perfect, but is it best? Yes, of course. Even AOC said that in a PBS interview not that long ago. Now, I think she got tripped up on her words, but yes, it has been the best system. So I just completely disagree with the premise of not just a large portion of the Democratic Party, but specifically Bernie Sanders, who seems to be leading the field and headed towards possibly a nomination. We do have a bit of a ways to go, but guys, he is a full-blown communist. Now, people say, no, he's just a democratic socialist, just a democratic socialist. But as I've heard other commentators say, uh, someone should ask him to distinguish between his views as a, quote, democratic socialist and communist. He said several years ago that he doesn't mind if people call him a communist. Uh, that he's okay with that. So I would love to hear him distinguish between what his views are as a democratic socialist and what someone's views are as a communist. I mean, he's advocated for the nationalization of basically all of our industries. So what is, I mean, he honeymooned in the USSR. 
what is the difference between Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Socialist, and Bernie Sanders, the Communist? Now, he might know that he can't say communist because it's still taboo, but we're getting there. I mean, socialist used to be taboo just a little bit ago, and it might be, uh, you know, in some circles, certainly in our circles, but it's getting less and less that way. People are starting to normalize it. People are getting rid of the stigma of socialism and saying, yeah, it's totally fine. And here's the thing. I think that people think that socialism is just that your life will be exactly the same as it is now. It's just that other people who don't have as much as you do will have more opportunities. That's not true. That is not what socialism is. And I want to take a look specifically, specifically at healthcare and uh, Bernie Sanders's healthcare plan. And I really was going to get into more of Mayor Pete. And I think I am going to talk about Mayor Pete and his electability if he somehow against the odds that at least I have in my head becomes the nominee, I do want to talk about that. But let's talk about let's talk about the health care system that Bernie Sanders is pushing forward. Like I said, I've done an entire uh, episode on that before, and you can go listen to it. It's just titled Healthcare, so you can type in healthcare relatable, and you can listen to it or you can watch it on YouTube. And so I'm just kind of gonna give an overview because I think a lot of people are. Confused. I think a lot of people just hear, oh, yeah, everyone deserves health care. Health care is a human right. That sounds good and compassionate. My life is not going to change that much. It's just being uh, generous to other people. But that's, of course, not the case. Now, before we get into that, I do want to tell you guys about Genesis 950. We've talked about that before. If you are thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains or odors, you must try Genesis 950 first before you spend all that money. Uh, before you consider replacing all those things, try Genesis 950. It is an amazing pet stain and odor remover with water. Genesis 950 breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they are gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet stains and odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and is green, so it is safe for your family and pets. If you're tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it is time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 can make up to seven gallons of cleaner. That is a lot. A larger ratio may be required for old stains and odors. Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. You can clean your entire house. So that's bathrooms, it's kitchens, countertops, granite, quartz, garage floors, oil and grease stains, engines, wheels, tools, upholstery. So before you purchase new stuff, specifically new carpet, new rugs, which cost a lot of money, you have to try Genesis 950. You've really got nothing to lose. It's available on Amazon.com, but if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you will receive a free spray bottle and discount using code Blaze. That is Genesis950.com, promo code Blaze. Okay, let's keep going on this. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about healthcare. Apparently, this is like the number one issue that people care about because healthcare costs are incredibly high. And you know what? Just for those of you who say I don't have any nuance, I've got nuance on this. By the way, People who say I don't have nuance, they don't actually listen to the podcast. If you listen to this podcast, you will not be wanting for nuance. Now, I am never in pursuit of nuance. I think people who pursue nuance end up thinking way too hard about things that are just not that complicated. I'm in pursuit of truth, which sometimes is nuanced and sometimes is not. So on certain topics, you might find that I have some nuance, but not on every single topic. I really, that's one of my pet peeves. When people in politics, especially people with theology, they're like, ooh, this thing has been said so many times. I'm going to try a new way to break that down. I love doing that when there is something to actually break down or refute with biblical truth. 
But when something is just true, when something is just biblical true, it doesn't matter how many times it's been said. It doesn't matter how many people say it or how popular the phrase is. If something is true, it doesn't need your nuance. It doesn't need your addition to it. It just, it, that just really bothers me. So, but I do have nuance when it comes to this healthcare stuff. I'm not just going to tell you how bad socialized healthcare is, although it is really bad. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experiences and my problems with the healthcare and insurance system uh, that we currently have. So when people think Bernie Sanders, socialized healthcare, they think, okay, everything's going to stay the same for everyone. Just more people are going to get healthcare, but that is not true. So Pete Buttigieg believes there should be healthcare for all. So everyone has access to a public option. Bernie Sanders doesn't believe that. He believes that you need to be forced off of your private insurance, no matter how much you like it, and you have to be forced on to Medicare. So you have to be forced on to government-run healthcare, no matter what. That's the only insurance you have, so you don't get a choice in that. You are forced off the healthcare coverage that you have and onto the government-run healthcare system, no matter no, the government uh, healthcare coverage, no matter how much you hate it. It doesn't matter. So when people are talking about this, they point to the NHS in the UK and they say, look, it's so great over there in the UK. They don't have to pay anything. Well, here's a little secret. Do you know where the rich people go in the UK? to get their healthcare services, they don't go to the government-run hospitals. They don't go to uh, the government-run healthcare centers. They go to private hospitals. Many of them are run by Americans, by the way. So when really rich women want to give birth, they're not going to the government-run hospitals. They're going to these private hospitals. Uh, these private hospitals don't take insurance at all. But if you happen to be really rich, you can pay out of pocket for your healthcare services, which a lot of rich people in the UK end up doing. Why? Because the services are better. Because profits... And here's what Bernie Sanders and AOC need to understand. Profit is not inherently evil. Profit can be a motivation for innovation. Now, if profit is placed over people, can that lead to corruption? Does it definitely lead to corruption? Absolutely. So on that, I will agree with Bernie Sanders and AOC. But when you take away profit almost completely, as Medicare for all would do, the profit margins would be razor thin then you lose motivation for innovation. You lose quality. You lose top-notch doctors and nurses and staff because it is not evil to care about making money to be able to provide for yourself and your family. And so people just leave the industry. You shut down hospitals completely. Uh, there is a reason America leads the world in healthcare innovation. There is a reason private hospitals in the UK mimic American hospitals and not the other way around. There is a reason why when people have a serious illness, uh, cancer, other life-threatening diseases, that they expend all of their resources to come here to get treated. Uh, in 2000, uh, 2018, in the UK, 50,000, quote, non-urgent surgeries were canceled during flu season because they were understaffed. The NHS, by the way, in the UK has been around for 70 years, and they still have not figured out to handle flu season. Uh, so I don't think the NHS is doing quite as well as people say that it is. Uh, Canada also has, quote, free health care. Free health care obviously means paid for by the taxpayer. And in 2016, Canadians waited an average of five months for specialized treatments. Five months. That's really not good if you've got a dire situation going on. So, yes, these healthcare systems are awesome unless you get sick. They're awesome unless you need surgery or treatment for a serious illness. Uh, then you are still screwed unless you are mega wealthy and you can pay for private treatment or you can come to the United States. Uh, in America, if you find out that you have cancer today 
and you have healthcare coverage, most of the time you can start treatment tomorrow or at the latest next week, things move very quickly. Now, here's the nuance. Is our system perfect? No, and we shouldn't pretend that it is. There's a reason why this is the number one issue for a lot of Americans. Our system is not perfect. There are a lot of good parts about it, like I've already listed, but our system is not perfect. A lot of Americans are drowning in their healthcare bills. Their deductibles are too high. Many Americans feel that doctors and hospitals have driven are driven too much by profits. Uh, this is a conversation, for example, in circles that I run in among moms, especially online, um, how expensive it is in the United States to give birth. And there are other moms in Australia saying, oh, I didn't have to pay anything. Of course, they do have to pay in taxes. But they're saying, oh, you know, it's all it's all great in the UK and in Canada and Australia. Of course, as we've already talked about, there are problems with that. But people in America, moms in America, talk about how ridiculously expensive it is to have a baby in the United States, especially if you have a C-section. So you not only have an invasive surgery, but you have to stay in the hospital for longer or if your baby is in the NICU. Um, I had a C-section. And though I didn't realize it in the moment, I can now look back and say for sure that it was very likely a totally unnecessary C-section. I feel that I was pressured into it. I was given a very short window of time to labor. And even though I was doing perfectly fine, didn't have, you know, any epidural or anything like that, I was doing perfectly fine. The baby was doing perfectly fine. Heart rate was great. The reason why I had a C-section, I just was tired and I didn't know it in the moment that this was probably a form of manipulation. Um, I was told you're not going to like the doctor on call tomorrow. So if we let you labor and you want this doctor to deliver your baby, who is such a great doctor, uh, then we're going to need to do a C-section. That was the sole reason. I was told the main reason I should say I was told I was also not progressing, even though I had such a small window to um, actually labor. That was the main reason I was given not for my health, not for the baby's health. There was nothing going on wrong. My blood pressure wasn't high. The baby's heart rate wasn't decelerating. There was nothing going on health wise besides the main reason being um, yes, I wasn't progressing, but it was only a, a very short amount of time that I was actually given to labor. It was like five hours. And they said, you know what? You're not going to like the doctor on call tomorrow. If you keep going until tomorrow, you're going to have that doctor. He's going to have to deliver your baby. And so if you want this doctor to deliver, you should just get a C-section. Well, it, I can't say it was their choice. It was our choice, my husband and my choice that we made, but I, we just didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. And so when you're in a room with doctors and nurses telling you, yeah, you should just do it. You're tired. You're in labor. You just do it. Now, I, I looking back and I realize how much more hospitals make for C-sections, you do kind of wonder, okay, are they motivated too much by profit? And C-section recovery, by the way, is no joke. Like I know that it's also, it can be difficult to recover from a regular delivery, but C-section recovery is no joke. And to think that possibly this was unnecessary and possibly, I don't know, I do not know, possibly motivated in any way by anything other than my health, possibly for profits, it does kind of make you wonder about the system. And especially, and I don't think this specific doctor was thinking about that. He has a very good reputation and I, I love him. This just happened to be a not a great situation, how the whole birth went down. But it does make you wonder when you look at the statistics for this particular hospital and other hospitals of the C-section rate that is especially high for women who have low-risk pregnancies and should have low-risk births, um, non-emergent C-sections, and how much more they happen to make on that and how much more they make on the hospital stay. You do wonder, 
are hospitals, are insurance companies motivated too much by profits? And it is putting, is it putting mothers and other people with other kinds of procedures or illnesses that are going on? Um, is it uh, putting them at risk because they are given unnecessary care or treatments just because it makes more money or just because it's convenient as well? I think convenience can be a huge thing when you put profits over people. So just that microcosm of the healthcare system that I have experienced, I realize that it's not perfect. I realize that if profit is a motivation over the care of the patient, that that is a problem. Obviously, it turned out, you know, fine for me. I'm healthy. Baby's healthy. Recovery was great. That's not true for everyone. And I'm not just talking about C-sections, but other procedures. So I realize that there might need to be a shift with how things, uh, with how things work. And we'll talk about some of the solutions. But Bernie's solution that, okay, we've got problems with healthcare costs. We've got problems with, uh, you know, hospitals, insurance companies caring too much about profit in some cases, not all hospitals, but in some cases. Uh, the solution, Medicare for all, doesn't actually account for that. It doesn't actually help. It doesn't help the quality of our care because the problem is not coverage. He keeps saying everyone needs to be covered. Not everyone is covered. Well, 90%, 90% of Americans are covered by some kind of health coverage. That's a lot. So for the majority of Americans who are saying, hey, healthcare is my number one issue, they're not worried about whether or not they're covered. They're worried about the cost of their care. And Medicare for all, it doesn't ultimately, or it doesn't well or efficiently or effectively solve that problem because we still got the problem of being understaffed, of being on wait lists, lists uh, decimating hospitals, having a lower quality of care. And so a lot of people really like their health care coverage, but they would like the cost of care to go down. The cost of prescription drugs has risen by 69% in the past 20 years. Our Republicans this is a proposal, though, to actually address that specific issue that Bernie Sanders um, isn't effectively or efficiently going to address through Medicare for All. Republicans have proposed the health care choice proposal. They proposed some other things. The Trump administration um, has proposed some solutions as well. But the health care choice proposal would make coverage far more affordable, lowering premiums by up to 32 percent, according to the Center for Health and Economy. Moreover, it would ensure that uh, everyone could access a quality uh, private coverage arrangement of their choice. Patients would be able to choose the coverage arrangement that works best for them from a wide array of options, including direct primary care, short-term limited duration plans, catastrophic coverage, or gold-plated Cadillac coverage, uh, so to speak. So uh, Medicare for all is only going to make matters worse. Yes, it would make sure that everyone is covered. So just the 10% of Americans that currently aren't covered, 90% are, but that's not the main problem. The main problem is a uh, high cost of healthcare. People want lower deductibles. They want a lower healthcare cost. And there is a better, more efficient, uh, more economically sensible uh, solution to that that creates choice, that uh, creates or that maintains innovation, that maintains profit and maintains quality of care. It's really just about control for people like Bernie Sanders. They want to be able to control the healthcare system. But if we look at the healthcare systems that are controlled by the government, while there may be some benefits, while there may be some goods, uh, they don't match the quality of care that people are able to get in the United States, even with the flaws of our current system. And so uh, someone like uh, Pete Buttigieg coming along and saying, 
hey, I believe in healthcare for all. I don't believe in Medicare for all. So he's saying you can keep your private insurance if you like your private insurance, but you're going to get on, um, you're going to get on public, you're going to get on Medicare. You're going to be guaranteed Medicare. If you don't like your private insurance or you don't have private insurance, it's not that different than what we've got going right now. Again, I think that they need to work on uh, creating and addressing better solutions for the cost of healthcare. I mean, Bernie Sanders complains a lot about the cost of healthcare, but he doesn't talk very much about how Medicare for all is going to help that, especially if our taxes are going up so drastically. He doesn't actually know how many trillions of dollars Medicare for all is going to cost or how you're going to make up for the fact that the medical industry, which is going to be slashed dramatically by Medicare for all, um, makes up 18% of our economy, not even including or maybe partly including the insurance companies. And so how are we going to, how, how do we make up for that? How do we make up for that? He doesn't have a solution to that. But his supporters don't care about his vagueness. They just care that it sounds compassionate. But we have to be able to know how much this is going to cost, how much more we're going to have to pay in taxes, how logistically it's going to work in the hospitals, how much longer we're going to have to wait for care if we're going to be able to access the care that we want. The celebrities uh, who are talking about, oh, we need health care for all. This is a social justice issue. They're going to be able to pay out of pocket without insurance, uh, go to the private hospitals that are still going to exist that are motivated or that are making some kind of profit, not the government run one. So they are not affected by it, as well as all of the policies that they advocate for. They're not affected by the things that affect the average person like you and me. So people look at Bernie Sanders and they see this guy who was full of fire, who was full of ideas. By the way, his supporters, his trolls online are like, they are second to none. You think some of you out there think MAGA supporters are nasty? Bernie Sanders supporters, ma'am. I mean, his campaign had a, uh, they, you know, they had the whole accusation in 2016 of being sexist and of running a, a sexist campaign and having sexist s- staffers where there were uh, reports of sexual harassment. And he really had no explanation for that except for just kind of saying, I'm sorry, but those are a lot of the people that support Bernie Sanders. And you can't say that every politician is responsible for all of their supporters. They're, of course, nasty supporters of every single politician. But before you say anything about MAGA people, before you say anything about Trump supporters, I mean, look at some of the absolutely nasty things that Bernie Sanders supporters say online. They will attack any politician, doesn't matter, Democrat, independent, whatever it is that goes up against Bernie Sanders. I mean, attack them personally. The things that were said to, for example, Meghan McCain the other day, who just simply pointed out, you know, something critical about Bernie Sanders or some of his supporters. I mean, nasty, nasty stuff that is just so sad and so depraved. And so if you're looking as some Democrats say that they are to like a morally superior alternative to Donald Trump, you don't find it in Bernie Sanders. You don't find it in Bernie Sanders supporters. Like if you think that he's going to bring the country together, you think that he has like some campaign of love and compassion and caring for people. A lot of the things that people accuse Trump and his supporters of are true of Bernie Sanders and his supporters and are actually true. Some of the things that people accuse Trump and his supporters of aren't true at all. 
but they are true. You can go see them. They are so nasty to people who support Pete Buttigieg, who support Amy Klobuchar, who support Joe Biden. Uh, it's it's really insane. It's really insane to watch. So if you think that he is going to create a culture that is loving uh, or better for women or are better for the least of these, as we Christians would say, it ain't going to happen under Bernie Sanders. He is a madman who has been yelling at the sky. And just because he's been consistent in his madness doesn't make him a good person. His ideas have always been the same, but they've always been bad ideas. So you don't get any points for consistency if you've been consistently wrong your entire life. Now, is Mayor Pete more electable than Bernie Sanders? I don't know that Bernie Sanders isn't electable, by the way. I don't think we should underestimate him. Unfortunately, he's got a lot of momentum. He's got a lot of people behind him. So he probably would. And if he is the nominee, he will give Trump a run for his money. And so we've got to be just as enthusiastic and just as bold as we have ever been um, about this election. And uh, I do think that we should take him seriously. I think he is honestly more electable than Pete Buttigieg. Now, I see the appeal of Pete Buttigieg, always have seen the appeal of Pete Buttigieg. Now, when people, when I say that, people are like, oh my gosh, he's a radical Democrat. How can you see the appeal? Obviously, I'm not saying he appeals to me. Like, I am diametrically opposed to every single inch of his ideology, I believe, at least the part that I've seen, uh, at least the part that I've heard and that he's articulated. But uh, I... I do see his appeal. I do see how he is attractive. He is seen as a moderate compared to Bernie Sanders, but he's actually not. Now, he doesn't believe in Medicare for all. He, unlike Bernie Sanders, doesn't believe in, uh, he doesn't believe that felons should be able to vote from prison. That's something that Bernie Sanders believes. He doesn't believe, I don't think, if, if I am right on this, I don't believe that he believes in decriminalizing border crossings. He's a veteran, so people really like that. I get his appeal because if I were a liberal, I am the demographic that he is appealing to. If I were a liberal. So if I were a liberal, I'd be, a, you know, a liberal Christian. Uh, I won't say what I was about to say on that. Um, I would be a liberal Christian. I'm, you know, white, graduated from a liberal art, a private liberal arts college. And so people who are on the other side of the aisle who are like me, like Pete Buttigieg, because he, sta- he sounds like a statesman. He sounds uh, articulate. He sounds measured. He sounds mature. He sounds responsible. I'm just giving you a perspective of what the people who like him see. Um, And I do see that you might not like him or you might not find him likable. You might not be able to see that perspective. But I'm just telling you, like, this is what people see who like Pete Buttigieg. I've always seen his appeal. I am surprised that he's been able to get as far as he's gotten. But I do see his likability. He is a radical. He believes in he is pro-choice up until the point of birth. Now you can say, oh, well, that never happens. Well, if that never, never happens, why do you care that there is restriction on abortion in the third trimester if that never happens. By the way, over 5,500 third trimester abortions uh, happen in a year. So it doesn't not ever happen. And it's not always uh, for something like uh, fetal abnormality, which, by the way, I don't believe is a reason for abortion. And in the third trimester, there is no reason to abort a child to save the life of a mother. 
Uh, it just, th- that doesn't make any sense. Abortion is more risky for the mother than delivery would be. And a child has a very good chance of surviving outside the womb after 27 weeks, even as young as 22 weeks, babies have survived outside the womb. But after 27, 28 weeks, they have a really good chance after spending a few weeks in NICU of being able to survive. And so if you have to save the life of a mother, you induce labor, you have an emergency C-section, um, there's no reason to kill the child. You still have to take the child out. Um, and so might as well take the child out alive. But Mayor Pete saying that he is a Christian, by the way, and abiding by the Bible, uh, he believes that a woman should be able to have the choice to abort her child for any reason, for any reason through nine months. And let's not pretend that there aren't women who just make evil and sinful choices and who just would have an abortion up until nine months. Not all women may have the choice of convenience. Um, and a lot of people say, well, it's never convenient. There are evil men and women who make choices that we don't understand. The fact of the matter is it should be illegal. In the same way that murder of any kind is illegal, do we just trust men? Do we just trust men to make the right decision? No, we don't need the government saying whether men should or should not rape, whether men should or should not murder. We should just trust them. That's between them and their victim. Uh, I don't think that we say that on that. So why do we say that on abortion? Abortion is a killing of a human life. As we have talked about so many times, you can listen to a plethora of podcast episodes that I've done on that particular subject. I also think that Mayor Pete, he's got toxic Christianity, uh, Christianity that picks apart things that Jesus says, presents him as a socialist and does away with the rest of it because he sees the word of God not as inerrant, but as suggestive. And also he obviously doesn't believe in God's definition of marriage between a man and a woman. And so that's going to be an issue for a lot of Christians. And here's the thing. This is what I'm going to end on because I'm already over time. Um, I really actually have to stop. Um, Okay, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save what I was about to say for next time because it's a hot take. It's a hot take that I was going to say about uh, Mayor Pete's electability that a lot of Democrats do do not want to admit. Um, but I, I I obviously disagree with people to judge on everything. I see his appeal and I think that he would be bad for the country, but I see why people are voting for him. My prediction is that he's not going to make it that much longer. Now, he's made it pretty far. He's done a pretty good job. He's done a pretty good job, but he is not going to make it to the end of the primaries. I don't think my prediction is that Bernie Sanders will be the nominee, which we could do a whole other episode on the dangers of that. Okay, that's all I have for today, and I will see you back here next time.